Good evening and welcome to a late edition of Cannabis Network Radio. I am your host, David Kowalski, along with co-host N.A. Poe. I do apologize for uh, the delay this evening and the back and forth. Um, we had server issues and that has been resolved. Uh, so hopefully we uh, will get some live listeners and have some more uh, on with us. Uh, if you are listening, let all your friends know. Come chat with us in our chat room. Um, and uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, have a great show this evening. Uh, with uh, comedian uh, Dustin Kaufman. Um, Poe, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? How are you doing? Uh, how are you doing this evening? How's everything? I'm doing good, man. I wish the NSA would stay off of our servers. Uh, ever since you brought me onto this show, the federal government is constantly monitoring me, monitoring the panic hour, and now I think I've passed that disease on to you, Dave. So uh, it's I, all I'm good. sorry about that. We got we got backup servers kicking in. We just you know had to, had to make <laughs> yeah, a little bit know, of. Uh, they don't know how deep how deep our rabbit hole goes, but <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, looking forward to talking to Dustin. Um, when I got fir- when I first got arrested. Uh, May 18th, I got out of jail and I got a phone call uh, that said that a, a comedian was going around the country uh, working from West Coast to East Coast and um, exploring issues of cannabis, civil liberties, uh, things like that. So uh, he was in Philadelphia. We spent about an hour together doing an interview uh, for his film, Ridiculous. Uh, and then we headed back he headed to L.A., I headed to here, and then I went and spent two weeks out with Dustin uh, in Los Angeles living on his couch, uh, helping him edit it down from, you know, 15, 20 hours of footage to about two hours of footage. So really looking forward to Weed Nicholas coming out. He's, you know, one of the funnier comics that I've met, and um, he's got some great stories from being out on the road and uh, dealing with going west coast to east coast, Dave. I mean, like, you know, what it's so different, and it's, it's almost know, scary, the things that happen on the east coast compared I, to how laissez-faire it is now on the West Coast. It's it's a matter of scary, and, and, and I mean, it's not, I don't, scary, yes. I guess it's in a matter of perception. You know, we're scared that we may get arrested, we may get violated, we may get tackled and hogtied and whatever, you know, and perceived as, as troublemakers and, you know, cl- and have claims put against us that, uh, you know, we're assaulting uh, federal officers and, you know, bullshit like that. <laughs> However, you know, se- setting that aside, um, I was actually talking with someone earlier today, and basically what what I said is uh, my concern about the Weed Not Greed tour is is the funding issue because it is going to take a lot of money to get us on the road. The bus itself costs a lot of money. The thing that we want to do, it's something that's necessary, you know. And fundraising is always a difficult task. Now, however, the Weed Not Greed tour is going to rely heavily on the support and fundraising of the established cannabis industry, which is in California, Colorado. Washington State, you know, and those are the three big ones that really have, I want to say, thriving cannabis industries. However, in those states, I I feel and I see in in some in some facet that they are really oblivious. I'm not gonna say completely oblivious, but really oblivious to what goes on in the real fight and struggle outside of those realms because it's like a whole different world right there. You know, a whole different world out there. Literally, when you go to like Washington, when you go to Seattle, Washington State, and you go to Denver, you know, and Cal, and Cal, even California, even though they've kind of been crazy and with your up with the ups and downs and stuff there, you know, it, it's a different, it, it's a whole different, literally a different world, a different world. Like, it, well, Dave, it, no, please, it, it's a different world, and I think that that some of the people out there, businessmen, visionaries alike, think they accomplished their goal because that's where they're at and that's what they're doing, and they see the revenue coming in, and they have forgotten 
about, you know, everything, you know, the struggle that's going on outside those areas. So, um, but we're going to go ahead and actually bring Dustin in to continue the conversation because he has a perspective uh, along with that as well. So, uh, welcome to the show, Dustin. Thank you very much. For hey, being guys. So, Mr. Coffey, thanks it? for joining us. You're welcome. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. good. We were just kind of talking about how easy it is to get sucked into the legal side of marijuana. I know firsthand from spending two weeks out with you that it's very easy to forget about the problems of marijuana all around uh, the country. And what initially struck me about you as a person and as an activist was you living in a place and seeing so much freedom with cannabis and being inspired as you've gone as you went across the East Coast on your journey with how you know ridiculous as an issue it is on other parts of the state. So why don't you tell us about that revelation a little bit? What you know what happened to you while seeing that? Well, uh, first I want to say I just got home from the weed store um, where I purchased an eighth of Northern Lights and a big fat pre-roll for a total of $35. Okay. Um, <laughs> like what? Uh, like, you, see, you see, that's exactly my point right there. You're mocking us. You're mocking <laughs> us, mocking us, mocking us. Like, we can't do that. That's just not fair. That's not right. You know, whatever. That's not cool, man. <laughs> now, that said... I I have warrants in Washington D.C. for smoking weed. <laughs> why don't you tell Why don't you tell Dave Why don't you tell Dave about smoked out prohibition D.C. and what happened down there? Okay, so I know Poe mentioned that you know about the tour a little bit for ridiculous, and uh, so we're out and you know one person leads to the next person and we end up like being led to Adam, the Adam K, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't even want to say his name. Uh, is that, should I not, <laughs> are we going to get arrested for saying his name? I don't know what happened. But, uh, and so I end up picking him up. I never met the guy before. I end up picking him up, driving him from his house to the pro, to the smoke down prohibition. Right. And, and this smoke down prohibition was at the, I was at, it was at the white house. Okay. Adam Kokesh, who I was in jail with, decided to do, smoke down at the White House. Dustin met up with him on the tour and they Last proceeded to go through the White House. Wait, now, was that the one yeah. on July 4th or was that one on 420? Or When was what, that? that was June 8th. That was June okay. 8th. Okay, because I was... So cause... It was called Joint Summit with President Shum. They actually they sent a letter directly to Obama and asked him to come out and smoke marijuana with them. And they were right on the front of the White House lawn, and then take it from there, Dustin. What happened to you? Uh, well, uh, so 420 rolls around. People light their joints. People light their uh, fake joints. Whatever's happening, and nobody gets messed with. It's just so like 427 comes around, and if people decide to actually light some other whatever they decide to light they light right and so i'm standing there smoking something next to adam and uh a federal officer comes up in the park police sergeant philip j beck <laughs> i don't know if he's out of a job now or what with the shutdown but uh <laughs> he's arresting um, joggers now probably because jaywalkers yeah, right. jaywalkers. So he, he comes up 
grabs us both by the neck, assaults us, literally, just grabs us by the neck, and he's like, all right, let's go. I'm like, all right, well, I figure let's go. I mean, let's move on. Let's go home, right? So I leave. I'm like, all right. Two weeks later, I get a per- an email, personal email, to my, like my, to my comedic booking through my website address from Captain Philip J. Beck of the United States Park Police directly not even telling me what I, what's wrong. He says, I have some very important information to give to you, so give me a call so I can give that very important information to you. Right? That sounds like a bill video, collector right there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bill collector phone well, call. Yeah, right? That's exactly what it is. Um, so I don't call him. I have a lawyer call him. turns out, you know, that then he says I have a warrant for possession of marijuana, right? And you know, the, the reason this is, but the, just let me cut in for a second. The reason that this is crazy is that at no point did Dustin give any information or his name to the police. They saw him smoking a joint with Adam Kokesh. When they turned around and dad grabs Kokesh, Mr. Kaufman just kind of skated away. And then two weeks later, they tracked him down and charged him across the country with uh, possession of marijuana. Because I believe, you, didn't you release a video of yourself smoking marijuana? There was a video released of this of me smoking something in question, and yes, it had about thirty five not a ton, but it had about thirty five hundred hits like within the first day alone, right? I'm like, so I'm like, that's not going to be good. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, uh, you were arrested for a YouTube video. That that's that's and funny. Also, I do want to say on what you were saying, Poe. I just and I don't want to stick on this too much, but I do have on video. It's I, it's not in a movie or anything, but I do have on video of Adam Kokesh saying that he has to film a movie in L.A., he can't afford to get arrested, and if he has to squeal for bail, he will. So, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. I, whatever. That's fine. It's crazy, uh, though. That it's crazy that they track you down like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I dabble, well, in, law, I dabble in law a little bit, being the son of a lawyer, you know, my, my whole life, you know, and a son of a lawyer that actually had a law firm. Uh, you know, my, my whole life. And, and that sounds a bit fishy to me. And I'm sorry you didn't get a better lawyer than, than what you, than what you had, because that right there, I mean, all, all that kind of stuff sounds, sounds a bit it's like still unsettled, very, man. Very, it's unsettled. Very I loose. did have lawyers call. Nobody could get them to drop it without me going back to DC. The whole thing's ridiculous. I and think since then, yeah. as of September 30th, since the shutdown, my case got moved to the U.S. Marshals, <laughs> and I actually have, so I have spoken with them uh. about, you know, resolving it, so that is in the works. I mean, even the U.S. Marshal was like, well, unless you plan on coming to D.C., it's not really going to affect you, and he's not, oh, not going to affect my I mean, The hell it doesn't affect you. I mean, you know, if there's something like that's out there, then it know. needs to be squashed, whatever. None, nonetheless, I mean, that's, that's, that's just straight-up BS right there. I mean, the whole thing that they call you and tell you, oh, by the way, you know, after the fact, I mean, like there's so many loose ends on a legality issue and a constitutional level right there. Like, I don't even know where to begin with that. Like, whatever. Yeah, that's the way I, I agree. <laughs> I just wanted to, and the guy said that he sent out 35, I get a letter in the mail saying that they, uh, my case has been transferred. And if I'm not, if I don't respond about turning myself in within 10 days, I'll be arrested by the U S marshals or another government agency, which is a scare tactic. And he admits it's a scare tactic, but it works. Right. So they sent out 3,500 of these after the shutdown. When all these cases got moved over, they're not paying 
they're not paying uh, vet families of fallen vets. They're not paying WIC. That was they're just privatized today, Security, by the way. But they're sending out 3,500 letters to pot smokers with outstanding warrants. <laughs> That's all right, because yeah. the Postal Service is, what, like $17 billion in debt also in the red? So, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah who, who knew the email was going to be so big? <laughs> right? It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's in the movie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, tell us in general, the movie, what, what, conceptually, you know, we're trying to put together a tour. A weed. It's going to be called Weed Not Greed. We're not Tell trying us. to. No, we will. We are. We, are. we currently are putting together a tour called Weed Not Greed. Being someone that just went across the whole entire country, just give us the basic outline of you know where you started. You know some of the best places you went. You know, uh, world famous cannabis cafe in Portland, Oregon. World famous cannabis cafe in Portland, Oregon. It's probably the best place I went. Hello, uh, Madeline. Shouts out to you. Yeah, I love that place. She got us a she got the comics a hotel for the night, and I'm like, well, I could sleep here. You Madeline save Martinez, your money. you are like, the bomb, Junior. Word to you too. All you guys, yeah. we love you. So, yo, they were Madeline, this yeah. this dude was on stage, Dave, with like vapor bags, like telling jokes. Like that, that's literally my dream. If I if I can get into a position where we're Broadcasting live from some place like that. Uh, the cannabis with a cup? bag full of vapor in my hand and a microphone in the other. That's all I can really The, ask the for. cannabis cup in Amsterdam next yeah. month. We've got to get you a passport awesome. and get you permission to get out of the country. But, yeah, you know. I do have to get permission it, to leave the country. <laughs> How crazy oh. is that? Dude? I have to get permission to leave the country. Like, why? You know, it's just literally ridiculous. You've got to get a passport. It's weed so. ridiculous. Ridiculous, yes, it's weed. That's ridiculous. Um, so world famous is definitely the best place I went. Um, just the most fun, the family, family oriented. Just makes you really feel good about what you know, especially me because I've been smoking twenty plus years, I think, right? Twenty years solid. It's like two thirds of my life, and uh, so I mean, just to go there and just to see a community like that, to see. Spirits like that, and to see it celebrated on such a level is just amazing. Um, and then when you cross that middle line, as soon as you drive east out of Colorado, it's actually right before you get out of Colorado is when they start looking for you. It's like about ten miles from the border, you just see people pull over everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's good. Funny. What are this, the, the best story that you know I heard uh, out of there was. When the police found the veteran uh, that couldn't have his medicine, and what the police did for them out there, I thought that that was a you know I'm usually pretty hard on the police, but that that's a that's a pretty touching story. What happened in in that circumstance? Oh, you thought the Madeline story, a Raphael story about the yeah. Well, when the when the cops when yeah, the yeah, cops okay, brought okay. yeah, the, uh, he said uh, it's a world famous cannabis cafe, and this is how it is in Portland right now, and this is the understanding that. Like allowing pot and marijuana to be used uh, openly, medicinally, uh, you know, in, in an environment such has really shown the positive aspects and it's spreading. The, there was a veteran, he was freaking out. He was, I think he was on like a campus lawn or something like that in a city lawn state somewhere. And uh, he was freaking out. And the cop's like, man, you got to calm down. You have to relax. And the, this vet 
explain to him that he lived four hours away, he didn't have his medicine, his cannabis, and he lived four hours away, and so he couldn't, so the cop literally took the vet to the world-famous cannabis cafe, walked him down the stairs, paid us five dollars, they got the vet high, and then they went away. And then, and then that's it. And then the guy sent him home. Like, he that's, took that's the kind there. of world I want to live in, where police, veterans, and the cannabis community come together to help everyone. Dave, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does. You know, honestly, from my experience of being in you know Seattle um, for the Cannabis Cup and also for uh, Seattle Hemp Fest, and those are two weeks apart, and I yo-yoed back and forth um, from Florida out to Seattle twice um and uh i was at actually walking through the area outdoor area um they had set up at the high times cannabis cup and there was a booth set up where they had ems and there's a couple cops sitting there and there are cops around now inside this this area by the cannabis cup um you know obviously the whole place was you know smoking because you couldn't smoke inside the actual pavilion but by all the vendors and everything outside so it's like a big cloud of smoke so i'm sitting there um, and I have a bowl that I'm trying to light and I'm standing next to this booth, you know, cause obviously I'm, I'm me and I'm going to smoke right next to the cops when I have a chance cause it's a unique experience and I won't get in trouble, which all in itself is whatever I'm sitting there and I have, you know, my lighter, which I, I always keep a lighter or two in my pocket, but you know, when I go to events, my lighter seems to disappear. So I picked up another lighter. I'm sitting there trying to light my bowl. So the cop actually turns around, doesn't say anything, but hands me a lighter. You know whatever, and if, and if I could have got, and if I could have gotten, and if I could have gotten that moment on on like video, that would have been awesome. He just kind of looks at me and hands me a lighter. You know whatever, and like it's so funny to hear these stories and just to think about Poe getting tackled and hogtied. You I, know, you know, I, I I understand. You know, it's funny because people say to me and, and like you know Poe, you made a comment about it. You know, I come to Philly and I'm like I make like three headline stories and I this and that. You know all that. You know just once and you've been doing this for whatever a few years. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, when I was, uh, it, it, there was, there was an, a, a Cypress Hill, Sublime with Rome, uh, Matisyahu, whatever concert that was in St. Pete. And yeah, I went to that. It was like last, uh, last spring. And so I went to it and I'm wearing, you know, like, uh, I don't even remember what I was wearing. I think like weed, not greed shirt or, or my cannabis information network shirt, or like, you know, a weed shirt. And I was giving out joints, you know, like not like obviously like very openly, but I gave out about 500 joints at this event all around and so the uh head cop comes up to me and he says uh, you know first and foremost you know i just want you to know we know who you are i'm like great you know whatever the case is you know i didn't say it's cat. I, like, I was like good as like and and he's like i just want to let you know is that i'm not I, I i support off the record i support what you do and you know blah 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 so and so forth just make sure you keep everything in check and nothing gets out of hand and, you know, whatever. And they actually, believe it or not, from Pinellas County Police, they were pretty cool about, you know, that whole thing. And people lit up at 420. They're the worst, and, too. And, I'm not a fan of Pinellas No, County. dude. They're not. They're not the, they, they, are, they are definitely not the worst. <laughs> they're not the worst down here. But nonetheless, they were cool about it. But one of the officers said to me, made a comment, and he's like, you know, when we see a guy your size doing something like a misdemeanor marijuana crime out in public, um, we think twice about going ahead and like you know going going down that road because you're not worth the trouble, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You, so yeah, you're, I mean you're like a bull, Dave. I definitely would not want to get into a wrestling match with you. So I guess I guess I have that advantage <laughs> on my side, you know that. Uh, I don't. You know that 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 you know I might I might be short, but at least that you know I'm stocky, you know. So you yeah, know, and and I got that whole like you know I guess goatee tattooed 
you know, whatever look about me that, that, you know, I guess maybe makes people think twice about trying to, like, arrest me. Because, you know what? Yeah, honest- there's a little teddy bear. There's a teddy bear. Underneath of there, that's there, what I yes, see. Yes, there, there is you. absolutely I see a, a teddy bear that I you want to hold. People, people automatically assume that I'm like, dude, free hugs. I'm I'm cool about it. I'm cool about it. You know, that's all good. Because that's really, I mean, listen, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a sensitive guy. I'm all about love and caring and whatever. People just, people, people just look at me and they just get intimidated, like automatically, you know, or I have this disposition of like, oh Jesus. And actually it's beneficial sometimes. Like when I get on an airplane and I'm flying Southwest or something like that, where you pick your own seat and I get on the plane, I kind of sit down i see people walking by me they're like uh no 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 yeah i don't want to sit next to him no no yeah you know and it kind of gives me that that you know and then the people that sit down next to me are usually the people that end up having good conversations with and <laughs> you know whatever um but it does it, it it is advantageous i guess it has its advantages and disadvantages but uh you know i probably am guilty with that too and i bet it's more common than we might realize those who make themselves visually indifferent from the rest of society are usually the first people to judge what other people look like yeah i know you know it's so because i mean i do, i have outrageous hair and but you know i'm, I'm a hairy i, look I like have no hair puppet, you, know, but, you know so but I'll be the first person, at least I used to be, I really try to work on it anymore. The first person to look at somebody with a haircut and a necktie would be like, fuck this guy, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, the three of us walking around between between your hair, your beard, and I look like a goddamn terrorist. We're just a nightmare for uh, any TSA agent that we're going to come across. You know, somebody, somebody actually once made a comment to me asking me, you know, I'm an activist and this and that, why I don't, like, dress up. You know, I guess like, you know, Chris Goldstein and people like that who wear like a suit and tie and, ev- and, and everything like that, you know, uh, you know, and I said, look, I'm me. This is my personality. This is who I am. This is, you know, this is, you know, who I am and this is what I do, you know, and obviously if I'm going to court or if I'm going to, you know, a, a, a hearing, you know, or something along the lines of, of like, you know, a, a a governmental, you know, type of thing. I'll, I'll dress appropriately, but if I'm advocating, man, I'm going to be me, and that's the way it's going to be, you know. And I'm going to speak how it is. I mean, you know, when I was, you know, the last time I, you know, did a public speaking, which was at Smoke Down Prohibition, I looked directly at the cops and I said, "How dare you even think about violating my civil liberties and my civil rights?" You know, I, I looked right at forty, fifty cops who are all looking at me, ready to pounce on us, and I more or less said, "How dare you?" You know, how dare you try to go ahead and you know, violate my rights. I have no problem calling people out and saying how it is, you know, and that's just, I kind of, that's kind of how it has to be when you're an activist, you know, as an activist, you take that chance of having run in with the police wherever you go, you know, even if you are in a legal state, why? Because sometimes you'll push the wrong buttons. You know, I have learned in my years of doing this, however, you know, that, that starting up with the cops for no reason is both not beneficial to the cause and not beneficial to yourself. So, actually, while I'm on, I that- agree. We've had some, we had some problems with that at Smoke Down Prohibition because after the violence that w- that happened to me, a lot of people were very upset, and they actually put that in the court reports that the marijuana protesters were belligerent and um, and volatile and all this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's like the state brought the violence to us. I don't blame the cops. Let's- if you told the cops that you have to arrest everyone that eats cucumbers, the cops would just start arresting people that eat cucumbers and say they were doing their job. I'm sure a lot of the police around the country would love to not have to arrest pot. 
Well, uh, I, I'm gonna. You know, people call it hot. But oh I, yeah, but I mean, I that's am, why. That's you know what? That's why leap is so awesome. Like law enforcement against prohibition. Yeah. If you, anybody listening doesn't know about it, we'll just check it out. Yeah, I mean, definitely. These are active duty. Like we talked, I talked to an active duty deputy sheriff for ridiculous. Uh, they have judges. They have district attorneys, former, I mean, prosecuting attorney. Uh, I mean, just everything. I mean, and these yeah. are. These are people who are out there on the streets, uh, you know, and they're saying, look, we have to stop. Not only is it weed prohibition with them, though, it's all drug prohibition. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. I'm 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 friends with Neil Franklin, and I'm going to try actually get him to be a guest on the show here, you know, from Leap. And actually today, I think, it was Jack Cole's birthday as well. Um, but uh, I have a whole bunch of pamphlets from law enforcement against prohibition I keep in my car. And anytime I come yeah. across parked cop cars, I put them underneath the wind, uh, the windshield wipers <laughs> of the cars. I do that all the time. You know, like whatever. I have a when, button on my blazer. I also have a, a marijuana coalition button on my blazer. I think you know, it's the New Jersey one, right? At least, I go at least. So. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, I, I definitely go ahead and, and you know advocate you know law enforcement against prohibition. But just to finish my train of thought from before, and this is really a message to all people out there that participate in rallies, smoke downs, so on and so forth. And I need everyone to pay attention to, and to listen to me clearly. And I'm going to be serious for, for a minute here. Okay, it does not do our cause any good when we sit there calling cops pigs and fucktards and making fun of them. As fun as it might be or as many chuckles as, as we can be, that's not the message that we want to go ahead and give people. It's the wrong message. Why? We need to be bigger than that. We need to, be, we need to, we need to actually be mature about this because right now is such a crucial time in the change for cannabis reform on a national scale. We have to be respectful because even, even if they are violating our rights, their job, not job, but they like doing it, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. We have to be bigger than that. We have to show them that we are not violent. We are not abusive. We are not, you know, that stereotype that they're trying to label us with. And if we stand there and we yell slanderous things at them and we make fun of them, as fun as that is, I'm not discounting that. It does not, it, it, it does not, it does not benefit the cause in the in a larger scale. Now, if you're at a comedy hour or you're doing a stand-up show or something like that, have at it, you know, whatever. But when it comes to an organization where you're trying to prove a point, when you have groups of people mocking and, you know, making fun of the cops, that definitely will be used against us and that hurts the cause as much as I don't like saying that because you're like, oh, Dave, you're such a bore, you're such this, that. But if you stop and think about it for a minute and you think about the messages that we want to get across... You know, it's it's really not ideal for us to take that to take that position and to really berate people because, you know, very much so do unto others, you know, and we got to give out that good vibe, that good karma, you know, and, and I respect the fact, you know, that that Chris Goldstein and things like that cleared the way and let the cops do their job. And we didn't make a fight about it because, you know, they're wrong. They're going to realize they're wrong at some point in time and karma's a bitch you know and everything will come back to you know a person you know an individual a group when they wrong another person in one way or another you know i've been on both sides of karma and it sucks and it's also a great thing so um just have yeah, that I've had, my, I've had my bouts with karma as well i think a lot of times like the police in general just there's so many of them around 
and they're all stationed everywhere. And I think at some point they just get bored and they're looking for a little bit of action. And I, and I feel like, you know, you're right. We do have to change the view. I'm not saying that everyone has to throw suits on. We don't need suit stoners, but we do need them to realize that they're not going to discredit our message with violence uh, or discredit our message by, you know, being bringing out marijuana cliches, uh, you know, about us. Yeah. We need more That's Patrick gonna... Nightingales in the world, is what you're saying. Yeah, From Patrick Pittsburgh. Nightingale is, is, is an amazing lawyer that runs Pittsburgh Normal, and uh, he's actually, you know, helped me a lot during my case. He's been doing some consulting with me and telling me what to do and what not to do. And, uh, you know, that's great when lawyers get involved. You know, I think that it's a good thing because everyone's looking to reform these laws now, and the army we're building is, you know, literally of all shapes and sizes. And that, you know, that and that adds to legitimate legitimacy when I'm standing next to a 65-year-old woman that's a medical marijuana patient. You know, I and the great thing about the the great thing about the cannabis army that's being built is you don't have to fight. It's not an army of soldiers. It, all you have to do is be open, be honest. You know, just yeah, and you need to be willing to ra- you need to be willing to raise your voice too. You know, me and Rachel were talking today uh, about how you know a lot of people are scared to get involved in these movements because it is illegal. You know, and that's scary. Uh, for a lot of people, I am willing to to fight for this. Well, but, uh, I mean, I being understand. being part of a movement is not illegal. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I've kind of been dealing with like my account and and banking and stuff like that about you know fundraising and money and tax deductions and taxing so on and so forth. And I have had problems, you know, in the past because my business name, you know, is licensed or registered as Cannabis Information Network now Cannabis Network Media Group. You know, and the thing is, is that you know, we're not doing anything illegal. We're doing everything within our rights and constitutional rights. You know, just because the name word cannabis is in our motto doesn't mean that we're drug dealers or whatever, cannabis pushers or whatnot, even though and someday I really hope to be a legal licensed dispensary somewhere and to be able to do that as part of our, you know, network. But, you know, advocacy is not illegal. Uh, speaking your voice is one of the most patriotic things that you can do. And for all those people out there, and I'm actually going to get personal for one second, that get on me for telling me that when I say anti-government things, that I'm anti-America and I'm anti-this, let me clue you in on one thing. Questioning your government and standing up for what is unjust is one of the most patriotic things you can do. So get your facts right before you start telling me or any other person that goes ahead and questions what our government does or goes ahead and puts out there what our government does, anti-government sentiments, because you know what? That's patriotism right there. So all you American flag-flying people that think that when we talk against the government that's unpatriotic, get a clue of what true patriotism is. Well, we got uh, uh, Dustin. What? I was going to say, Dustin, he said... That it started as a weed documentary, and it kind of turned more into a documentary about civil liberties because you saw, you know, just as much at the same time that the erosion of those, correct? Yeah, I learned, I, I learned just as much about civil liberties and and, and talked to some more uh, just as much about freedom as I did about cannabis. I mean, it's so weird that you know, I mean, I really did just you kind of you don't even think about it, but I, I mean, just kind of went out blindly with this tour put together. But well, as soon as you get to the East Coast, I mean, it's there's people fighting, you know? I mean, I kind of expected it to just be this, hey, all right, everybody's... Which it was, all through the West Coast. You know, we're performing at cannabis dispensaries, getting paid with pot places, and free weed everywhere. It was just the most <laughs> wonderful thing. And then you cross the border, and it's <laughs> getting, you know? It, 
you, you get Poe being hogtied, and you got lawyers fighting for it over here, and it's it's just it's a, it's not. We just need to legalize. I mean, as even Poe is even said, it says in the movie in ridiculous is the fact that this can happen here and that can happen there is ludicrous the fact well the fact is that you know you can be in boston a few hundred miles north of philly you know and we can be smoking in public you know you know more or less without being you know molested by or or assaulted by you know law enforcement then you go down the road a few hundred miles and it's a whole different story you know i have a question for you dave i have a question for both of you and dave can start then why isn't the marijuana community focusing on the real issue at hand, which is the fact that marijuana is a Schedule One drug. Why can't the whole cannabis community revolve around that federal idea and uh, and change it from there, Dave? Well, I mean, first first and foremost, you know, being out there in general and being in a lot of the places that I have been, Reefer Madness is still alive and well. Um, education is crucial, which is really why I have the gusto and the the passion. Uh, to get the Weed Not Greed Tour on the road as soon as possible. Um, because I think education really is the key. Because, you know, even even like uh, Bobby Platshorn said, you know, education, you know, regardless of the age, really is the key to, to changing. You know, and social reform is going to come before political reform. Um, so, and then moving on from the reefer madness part is you still have people. I mean, there are people in my life that I'm going to still call to be closet smokers for the most part you know i'm not referring to anyone in my immediate life but people i come across you know that truly are closet smokers you know they 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 smoke and this and that but they're afraid to talk about it you know why because they're afraid of of repercussions now truth be told if you go online and you do a search you know of companies that are cannabis friendly there are a lot of them out there companies that you might be surprised of that are that are you know 420 you know friendly um, to their employees, um, and people are unaware of this. And one thing also, which I believe personally, is that if you're passionate enough and you stand up for something and you educate people and you're not ignorant about like your beliefs, and when you get into an argument, I mean, it, it, it takes it takes a strong person to advocate properly because you can't take things personally that people say to you because a lot of the stuff people say to you against it is just, misinformation and uneducation and some people take it personally and they get all huffy and they get all and they get all angry about it and that you know as soon as someone starts getting angry or upset that creates that that cue to shut down and stop listening so you know being able to communicate back it with in, informed information and knowing you know what you're talking about is crucial as well um, but but you know, I, I, the biggest, the really, the biggest part is is one fear, and two is reefer madness, is is misinformation and, and not proper education about it, and the perpetuation of the stoner stereotype. Um, you know, which are all things that I want to tackle, which we will not want to, which we will tackle uh, with the weed not greed education tour. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the federal government continues. They just actually knocked it down the other day, the Schedule 1 of marijuana. They will not change it. I was watching Breaking Bad last night. Meth is a Schedule 2 drug. I mean, that is literally... I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say about that. I think, I think that, that show... I think that show is more of a gateway 
than marijuana. I got friends looking for ricin. They don't even know what it is. It's- <laughs> well, you know, Rob, Rob Campia Rob <laughs> from the Marijuana Policy Project made a statement a while back saying that the scheduling really doesn't make a difference. You know, tr- it's it's kind of just there, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, and honestly, you know, when the federal government, I, Eric Holder, as well as the joint, uh, you know, Senate hearing committee uh, that held sessions, both said, and I understand that people are still getting locked up and there's still federal, you know, whatever going around, but we have to hold people like that responsible. You know, Rob Campia said, schedule doesn't make a difference for a drug that shouldn't be on any schedule anyway because it's a plant. So, you know, the the whole the whole concept of the whole schedule one, schedule two, whatever the case is, you know, like that, the whole thing is nonsense. You know, honestly. Um, the fact that, that it is up there with some of the worst of the worst, it doesn't fit the description of a Schedule One drug at all. I mean, just, you know, if you read what a scheduled drug, Schedule One drug should be, you know, cannabis doesn't fit the criteria at all. So, in essence, it's, 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 it's foolish to begin with. And, I, you know, I don't even want to talk about rescheduling. I want to talk about just descheduling altogether, you know, because no, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't belong on, on a schedule at all, except if it's on a schedule to smoke during the course of the day, which is the schedule <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump to a quick break here. Um, let's do some tunes real quick, and we'll be right back with some more uh, Cannabis Network Radio with uh, Poe and Dustin Kaufman.
Welcome back to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm your host, David Kowalski, along with co-host N.A. Poe and our guest this evening, uh, Dustin Kaufman. Hello, it's me. Mr. Kaufman. So, Dustin. Dustin, we ridiculous. We ridiculous took you all around this great country. Yeah. Learning new things about marijuana, learning things about civil liberties. The movie's going to be coming out. It's in post-production. What do you hope to uh, gain? By by doing this, other than money, um, what would what would you hope to, the average viewer, well, someone that's never <laughs> been involved with cannabis, besides money, I'd like to gain a shitload of money. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it really, it, like I said, it talks about it's really just to just to get somebody to want to speak their mind, to get, you know, to somebody to finish watching the movie and go, I want to go fight for it you know uh to, to just understand that we do have certain rights that you know we have entitled to us that you know and and you, they're yours they're your rights uh that's your you know and we should have the freedom to do with our bodies that we choose to do um we shouldn't the have freedom playing this freedom playing to a lot yeah it really does i mean it goes beyond like why is marijuana illegal? It's, you know, what, 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 it does this, it does that. It's the, I mean, the argument is, are we not free, right? I mean, that's, I mean, and if you can, there's arguments, there's somebody will try to boggle you down with any argument until you go to, are we not free? Because that's, you're, you're free. You argue with anything else. You're, you're free if you want to be. And I yeah. believe that. I believe that. If you go in with the mentality, of of believing in your freedoms and believing in in your rights and and people start switching that mentality instead of being afraid then that will start a shift right there but that's a whole different topic sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but you know whatever. <laughs> um so i guess maybe i just got off on a tangent that uh yeah and um and so freedom just freedom freedom is voice use your voice even did I read something that they have no free speech zones? I don't know how recent that. I read something recently. Has that been going on for a while? It's, it's been going on a while. When I was actually at um, Washington D.C. at the uh, Smoke Down Prohibition uh, in D.C. on July Fourth, not this past year, but the year before, um, they actually used to be a free speech zone directly in front of the White House, and they changed that. So now you can't have a free speech zone in front of the White House. You have to be actually kind of sort of around the corner, and you can't have any amplification facing towards the White House anymore. It has to be facing away from the White House. Um, so they changed that, you know, you know, in regard to, um, you know, free speech and having free speech. I mean, I guess one person or two people, but, you know, we should have a right for freedom of assembly because obviously it's in the Constitution. But nonetheless, you know, the government likes trampling on that on a regular basis. But, you know, it's another thing that, that we fight for. Um, but actually, when I was went down to uh, last year during the presidential debates, I went to the presidential debate that was at Lynn University in West Palm Beach. And they had, uh, there was supposed to be a free speech zone. Um, I don't remember the exact corners of, of, of the streets, whatever it was. But, you know, I pull up. You know, we pull up to this area and, you know, there was no like public parking for miles. So I actually ended up parking my car in, in a parking lot of a synagogue um, like about a mile away and walking to this free speech zone. Now, I want to lay out this 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 scenario for you. Now, this was on a major intersection. Now, they had the streets shut down 
for over a mile in each way in every direction around Lynn University. Now, I just so happened that I found out the route of the motorcades of both the both uh, Romney and Obama of how they were going to be leaving the uh, the uh, you know Lynn University the debate that night, and so there was this massive intersection. So on one corner you had like the the no the pro-choice anti-choice people on the other side you had all the crazies with all their other agendas with like the destroying the world and you know we hate israel we like israel we do this we do that you know you're a bully you're not a bully you know everyone's screaming something else and then on another corner they had the dream defenders who did an act of civil disobedience and sat in the middle of the street then on the other corner they had another group of like you know fanatical radical people and then there was me the weed guy now um me personally, from everything I've been doing, I've known, I'm known as the person that will call up a police department, that will call up, you know, whatever the case may be, find the person in charge and say, look, I'm here, I'm exercising my, my constitutional right, my First Amendment right of free speech, try to stop me. You know, and that's really how I, how I put it. Like, I'm not, and I'm I've not, seen Dave do that. I'm not asking, I'm not asking them, I'm telling them, you know, you know this, is, this is what I'm doing, and I'm exercising my constitutional rights. Okay, so fast forward. Okay, I go to this. I come there. I find the Secret Service. I asked to speak to the head of the you know deployment for that area. I said, "Look, this is who I am. I'm here with Cannabis Information Network. We'd not agree to her. We are you know we're nonviolent. We're here to just display a message. We're not you know in a large capacity. And this is where we're going to be. And this is where we're going to be standing. And I'm going to be flex. You know, I'm going to be going ahead and and you know flexing my first amendment right of freedom of speech. And that's the way it is. And you know the Secret Service guys look at me and they're like, "Cool, no problem." Now. We're going to jump over to the West Palm Beach Police Department. Now, those guys, different story altogether. They were not cool, you know, whatever. And there's this one guy who comes up to me. Now, as is progressing, the Dream Defenders sit in the middle of the street. They all get arrested by the Secret Service and police and buses and everything. So we're, we're moving down. So this cop comes up to me from the West Palm Beach Police Department, and he says, by the power invested in me by the city of blah, 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 you have to move 100 yards down the street. And I look at the guy straight in the face and I said, by the power of what, who, where, and when, who made you mayor of this city? I said, I'm flexing my constitutional right right here. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a presidential zone. The Secret Service has, you know, autonomy here. And they gave me permission to be here. He's like, if you don't go ahead and move, blah, 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 we're going to go ahead and arrest you and this and that. I was like, all right, fine. I pick up the phone. I start calling all the news stations, all the media stations, local news, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, everyone. I start calling all local news stations. I said, I just want to let you know I'm at the presidential debate. Exercise my First Amendment right. And officer, I don't remember his name anymore. Officer so-and-so is trying to violate my constitutional rights. You know, please come down and get, you know, video of how, you know, these my First Amendment rights are being violated, you know, whatever. And the officers kind of stand there looking at me, you know, Secret Service comes up. So all these other groups and all the corners have been disbanded. So it's just me and and a couple other people that were there with me on on the Weed Not Greed tour, the Shades of Green tour here in Florida, just standing there with a big sign that says Weed Not Greed. Now, we backed up onto this other street. Now, now th- literally, we were the only people left. Secret Service didn't bother us. The police left us alone because I called the, the police chief of, of West Palm Beach Police Department. I called the police chief and left a whole scathing message about how this officer is violating my First Amendment rights. So everyone backed off of me. So as the motorcade's turning the corner, I'm holding this huge banner that says, Weed Not Greed. And I'm actually going to go ahead and post the video again because I actually have it still. I'm going to post it on Cannot Radio. This huge banner says, Weed Not Greed. And as the motorcade's turning 
President Obama, I looked him eye to eye, looked directly at that sign because we were the only people standing there on the corner where he's exiting looking at this huge sign that says weed not greed. You know, whatever. Why? Because I know how to institute and flex my constitutional rights. And I know how to tell tell the people, and I even talk to them, tell them what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and how I'm doing it. Because I have the right, everyone has the right to have free speech. And it, that cannot be taken away by anyone. No one has the authority to overwrite con- the Constitution. Even if people do, that's something that we can take to court and one thing which i'll tell you as an activist is if you know the law and you know your rights and you're passionate about it you're not going to get beat up as much and you're not going to get harassed as much and i guarantee you this i don't know how it would have went down if i would have been at that whole thing with poe being arrested because i would have put myself in between the cop and him you know and that just wouldn't have probably gone down well for him would have made for good <laughs> youtube <laughs> it would have made for for good youtube you know, yeah well <laughs> You know, Dave, we've been talking about pot shots, okay? Dustin, we came up with a little thing that once every show, we want to take some shots at some people that are holding back marijuana. You know, a politician gets arrested for marijuana. Just a lot of the hypocrisy going on. So I found the list, the top five special interest groups lobbying to keep marijuana illegal. I wish we could have callers. We could, we could give away a t-shirt or something. But can you, can you gentlemen name me the top five special interest groups lobbying to keep marijuana illegal and we'll go back and forth one at a time okay let's Ready? see uh, I'm be no, no let's do this dave the pris- right. i'm sure this is the prisoner guard union or something like that probably is something in there i mean i'm not looking That's at anything one. so i'm kind of just going to wing it so uh you know i don't i don't you know uh let's see I definitely have to say the the Calvina Fay and her group of things of the partnership of drug free America or, or you know whatever drug free. Um, That's wrong, thing. Mr. Kaufman. All right, uh, Gold's Gym. Gold's <laughs> Gym. Yeah, fair enough. You know. That's wrong. Touche. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, I, I uh, your, your turn. Uh, pharma. Big Pharma. Big yeah. Pharma. Pharmaceutical corporations. That's good. That's two for Dave. Um, I said that. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Dustin said that, not me. Not oh, okay, so that. it's one to one. Um, How? You, what is this rigged? What bi- is this? <laughs> um, Look, I'm trying to get the message. Floyd Mayweather on the other end of this <laughs> phone. Careful, I might bite your ear off. Hold on, a minute. Oh, different fight. Oh well. Um, big, uh, big. Fire. How about oil? Big oil? No, not big oil. Big oil doesn't care. Uh, big tobacco. Not, big. big I can't wait till there's big hash oil. I want to deal with big no, hash oil. No, not tobacco. Big tobacco, tobacco. They're ready for it. They'll package it. <laughs> not, not, not if the growers and the you know whatever. I mean, uh, whatever. Yeah, that's a whole different. That's a whole different. Story. Yeah, that's well, a whole look, different. Since you, whatever. All right. Since uh, you guys are, um, don't know who like. Since, like right, since you guys are borderline, you know, Down syndrome, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's. The hey, police union, the prison, okay. The police unions, the yeah. private prison corporations, yeah. The alcohol prison. and beer, alcohol and beer companies, the pharmaceutical corporations, and the prison See, guard union. I thought um, you wanted to redact names. I thought you wanted like names of companies, man. Well, yeah. I'm, okay. Well, then I'm sorry that I, you know, that I wasn't specific enough. But thank you for paying uh, the Poe version of Family Feud. But it is very important that people know that. These are the people doing their very best. No, start it over. I want to play it again. Okay. (laughs) We're not doing that. But yeah, it's very. There's a lot of groups out there that are in powerful positions that are actively 
working against marijuana legalization. And, uh, you know, the fact that the private prison corporations are, are part of that, they're, you know, they're basically caging people, you know, and putting them into the system. My friend was arrested in Delaware yesterday. He was beaten by the police, had his marijuana taken, and he was charged. Um, and then they took him to prison, and they gave him Percocets. Marijuana arrests lead to other charges. They lead you to being embroiled into the system, uh, you know. And once you're in there, it's very hard to get out, and, uh, you know, it just perpetuates itself over and over again. So, I mean, this is something we definitely have to be fighting. Um, the pharmaceutical industry. Big uh, <laughs> alcohol company, private prison system. <laughs> Well, there's 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 one thing which which I can say in regard to like the whole uh, you know the whole private the whole privatization of prisons to begin with is is corrupt business in itself. But nonetheless, police unions. I mean, you know what? Honestly, I'm gonna, I'm going to say this for all the interest groups and all the police and all the prison people, so on and so forth. Marijuana. Just, just, just to put it out there, is might be the easiest one for y'all to catch and like persecute. But there's much more crucial crimes and drugs out there that are much harmful to society that y'all can make just as much money going after people for. I mean, just let me take Florida for example. You know, we're known as like the pill mill capital of the world, the OxyContin Express. Listen, where I live, you know, or I should say used to live, I can go ahead and like you know, drive down around the corner and, like, pick out, like, four or five, you know, crack houses and, like, meth labs, you know, within probably a three-mile radius of, 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 like, where I used to live. And it's not like it's the even... Cops. And it's not even, like, hidden. And let Sorry. me get... And I can even give the police right now all those undercovers and all those, like, narcotics officers. Let me go ahead and clue you in on a tip. I'll give you a great tip to how to find real drug dealers, okay? Go to, go to the projects and go to trailer parks, and when you see, like, Rolls Royces and Lexuses and Cadillacs and Escalades and and Bentleys and and uh, you know cars that cost more than like you know the housing project they live in. That's a good sign that a drug dealer lives there. Just just saying. Well, that's just that's going to perpetuate stereotypes if you just start saying to look at every every person who looks like they live in a you know driving a nice. If you're car, if you're in public housing and you're driving a a uh, Lexus or a Mercedes or something like that, that's a whole issue in itself, stereotype or not. That's just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, um, I think if they just spent you know more time not looking for drugs, <laughs> you know, the truth. I mean, uh, look, listen. I mean, that's what they should do. I mean, they should spend more time not looking for drugs. And there's so many other crimes that you know, uh, aren't consensual actions uh, that we should be spending our time with. You know, I'll I'll share a story with you. This past weekend, I was, you know, down in Miami, and I'm taking this this, uh, little trolley, you know, up and down Hollywood Boulevard, whatever the case is, it takes you, like, from one side of town to downtown, whatever. And we're at the stop. And so this lady gets on this bus, and she's holding her kid, and she's saying, she's like, I'm drunk. I'm so drunk, and, like, whatever the case is. And she's, like, can't even get up the steps. And she's holding, like, this probably, like, you know, year, year and a half old baby in her arms. You know, and she's making this whole thing about how she's drunk and how she's this, and how she's going to get vodka, and she's going to, you know, like, whatever, on this bus. And she's holding this, like, child. And I'm sitting there, like, you know, and this, and, you know, like, people shook their heads and, like, you know, no one does anything. Why? Because 
alcohol like that is just accepted. And here's a mother that's carrying a baby on a bus that God knows where she's going. She's very obviously intoxicating, admitting it with a baby in her arms. You know, and like that, there's like that should not happen. It took everything in me to not just write that woman right there on the spot. But, you know, and that's, you know, public transportation. And that's like whatever, like, you know, that bus driver should have gotten on the phone and called the cops and the cops should have intervened. That child should be taken from that mother because that's irresponsible right there. That doesn't happen in the world of of cannabis use from everything I've seen. Every parent I have met genuinely cares for their children. You know, they want what's in best interest for them. And the things that cause the problem is the fear that, you know, Child Protective Services are going to come knocking down their door, you know, to violate their civil rights, you know, and take away their children because they choose to use cannabis as opposed to drink alcohol or use other hard drugs. I think Rick uh, Cusick is writing something on that from High Times. I think he's actually writing something similar to that. Yes. But, yeah. Yes, he's actually going to be a guest on our show next week. So. He's great. So, I talked uh, to him for the movie. He's for Ridiculous. He's really... And then he talked to uh, Rob Cantrell over there, too. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah, I think that we're doing a show in Philadelphia. I think we're going to start be doing uh, start doing Joke Down Prohibition in Philadelphia, which is going to be a monthly show <laughs> featuring, <laughs> featuring pot comics. So, <laughs> Dustin, if uh, you want to come across the coast at some point, we'd always love to have you as a headliner. Um you know, on the weekend. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah. I'll say it on, on, on air to everybody. We'll, we'll make it happen. That would be awesome. Didn't you, didn't you say, uh, so you're going to be releasing the movie and hopefully uh, we'll be able to do some screenings in the Northeast for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I know the, the State Theater up in Bay City, Michigan, too, but uh, it's, it's probably one of the stops we made. They want, they were interested in maybe doing a, doing a screening there. And, but and I, I, I want to take it on tour. I want to take the movie on tour. Take some of the comics. We agreed. We you know, agreed. make it fun. We not agreed. We not agreed. What did I say? We not agreed. Oh yeah, might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. think about. Yeah, maybe you can do a few we dates with us when we get out to the West Coast, Dustin. You know, we Dustin's going to be a father. Actually, congratulations on that, Dustin. We haven't said anything that about that. You're going to be a father. Thank you. Wow, that's a life-changing event right there. So. Yeah, we had our yeah. first uh, ultrasound today. It was a 4D ultrasound. That is the ugliest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. It was, you ever see aliens? Uh, no, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that was. Yeah, I, oh yeah, they're like it's, it's they're, they're like it's only six centimeters, but it's gonna look a lot bigger. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's just deformed. Its heads all misshaped. Its legs are tight. It's like. It's kind of more scary than like whatever, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I'll tell you is that I, my sister actually is expecting in January and she got a Ford D ultrasound and like, I'm kind of new to this whole thing. I mean, I've had two kids, but you know, my oldest is 16, you know, my youngest is going to be 11 actually in two days is his birthday. Um, but you know, that wasn't around back then. And my sister just had one done and she sends me this picture on my phone. I open it up. I'm like, what the fuck was that? You know, like whatever. It looked like this distorted. And honestly, you know, I hate to say it, but it looked like a defeatist in a jar or something, you know? And I was just yeah. like, I was like, what the hell is that? She's like, it's a 4d ultrasound. That's a baby push up against my uterus. I was like, wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for sharing it. It just made my day. The first, you know, the first sonogram was cool. It looked like an alien. It had big eyes. and was like, yeah, like Mars or something. This one was like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> help me. 
<laughs> All right. Well, it's that time of the night. Um, we've been here. We've had a good time, and we've run late. But that will conclude. Uh, we're going to come to a conclusion of tonight's edition of Cannabis Network Radio um, here. And, uh, Dustin, I would love to have you back on another show and, and kind of kick it uh, to do like a comedy show or something like that or, or work something out. So uh, we all need to be in touch, Great. especially with that movie thing. And, and maybe, you know, out of all seriousness, integrating that, maybe some of the Weed Not Greed tour stops and integrating a movie tour with our tour and, and something just to add an extra bit of, of advocacy to it. Um, you know, even we can, you know, even, you know, we're going to have a 45 foot tour bus entertainer coach. Um, you know oh. that w- that sleeps twelve people. Um, well, I'll so, get on that. So uh, yeah, you know, I know you'll get on that. We'll definitely. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've, we've actually between the three of us, we've had a lot of conversations about the open road. So I'd like to think the universe. Yeah. That would be a lot better than the rental van. Yeah, be better than the minivan I had for ridiculous. That's for sure. <laughs> So I mean that's something. I mean if we, you know, and I'm, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking forward to putting together a really good tour, you know, to get out there and educate, you know, and even the idea of even being able to take like a portable screen and setting up like you know having the bus as a backdrop and setting up like maybe a movie night or something, a movie in a park or something, and have people bring their chairs out and well, you know, do something like, like that. Fucking, I mean, what are they called? A drive-in, a yeah. drive-in movie, ridiculous. That would, uh, that, that, would, would really I mean, that would be cool, and I, I, yeah, like, that's, awesome. I envision things like that. So let's try to make it happen. Um, but thank yeah. you very much for for being on the show and taking your time out. Thanks, and for, ha- and, thanks and for having me. And I'm sorry about the delay uh, and technical difficulties, but thank you very much. Um, and uh, Poe, as always, thank you uh, for your time yes, and, and co-hosting. Looking and, forward uh, to Monday, the, the <laughs> NA Poe interview of Dave Kowalski. We're looking forward to this, and then we turn around right after that, and we have Rick Kuzik from High Times. So. Yeah. Cannabis he's great. Network he's awesome. Is something that you guys have to uh, going to have to deal with in the cannabis world. We're looking <laughs> forward to uh, getting out there. All right, everyone. I hope everyone has a good night and has a safe weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with uh, more Cannabis Network Radio. Good night. Mm-hmm.